Good morning, y'all. Welcome to church this morning. Let's stand and worship together. Say good morning to someone this morning. 
Well, today we take a moment to uh, remember and honor those who have uh, fought for our freedoms and have given of themselves completely. And today we set aside this time in our uh, service to just honor and remember and thank those who have served so that we can be gathered here today. So remember in your festivities this week, uh, this weekend, the rest of the time, uh, to take a moment, maybe as a family, as individuals, and just pause and be thankful for all that uh, has, uh, all those who gave of themselves. Watch this. Father, we thank you today for those who have given of themselves completely, Lord, so that we could be here today and worship in this place in freedom, Lord. Father, we uh, saw the scriptures said no greater love than a, a person who lays down their life for a friend. And Lord, many uh, in our country over the years have laid down their life for us. And so God, today we just uh, take a moment to remember and thank you for each life that was given, Lord. And uh, just bless each family, Lord, that uh, had a loved one that gave completely of themselves. So we pray this weekend, Lord, that as we, uh, as we gather with family and friends, that we will also take a moment to remember this great sacrifice, Lord, that you paid for, uh, that they paid for our freedom and you paid for our freedom, Lord, as you gave of yourself completely. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless all that happens here this day uh, during this time that we're gathered here. Lord, we pray for... <clears throat> the many that are here today and worshiping online, we just pray that, God, that you would just uh, 
uh, minister to us. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would be with Gay as she brings the message today and just pray for our students and our children, Lord. And we're just thankful uh, for our church today and thankful for those who gathered here. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to church today. We're glad that you're here today. If you're a guest, we're really glad that you are here as well. We have a membership class going on right now uh, back in this area. If you'd like to step out and go to the membership class, uh, be welcome. you're welcome to do that. It's a class just to tell you what Salem Fields is all about. Uh, we have a family dance that's coming up in a couple weeks. Well, yeah, not too long. Friday. Yeah, not even a couple weeks. Thank you. June 1st. <laughs> uh, you can pick up your tickets out in the foyer. There's a little... Uh, a table there that uh, has a sign that says kids on it, but a banner that says kids, but you can pick up your tickets there. And uh, this is for families and individuals, anyone that'd like to come that wants to dance. So we're going to dance, dance, dance. Divorce care. Uh, we have our divorce care that's beginning on June 8th. And if you have recently been through a divorce or had uh, have experienced divorce in your life or your family and you'd like to be a part of that, uh, that'll start on June 8th, so be a part of that. Men's Night Out is coming up as well. We've got a lot going on on June 8th at 7 o'clock. There will be our annual cornhole tournament and a cook-off and all that goes on in our men's events, so hope that you'll plan to be there. Kids Camp, you can read all about that. Uh, you can sign up and, on your connection card, or you can go to the app and sign up there as well. And then our Middle School Ignite Missions Day Camp. Uh, if you have a middle school or you know a middle school in your community would like to connect with this, uh, we'd love for you to uh, do that. They're going to do ministry in Richmond, Culpeper, Williamsburg, and then have fun at Six Flags. So sounds like a real mission experience to me. They'll be uh, going from here each day. So if you'd sign your kids up for that, that'd be awesome. We're going to take our morning tithes and offerings in just a few moments at the next song. And uh, we appreciate your faithful giving. And the connection card is there for you to fill out. If you're a guest, we'd love to get that card. Uh, and for you to check in, and uh, we just welcome you here today. Um, also sign in on Facebook. Summer Serve is coming up. It's an opportunity for you to serve this summer. We need help this summer. As you can see, even at, on Memorial Day, many of our people are gone, and so there's lots of holes that need to be filled, and if you're planning to be here some weeks this summer, we just really need your help, and you can sign up out at the foyer. Thank you. Hi, my name is Michaela, and I really appreciate the volunteers at Salem Fields. Everyone's just so welcoming. Um, they're always so happy to see us every Tuesday. Um, even when we can't make it, we text them and call them, say, keep us in prayer um, if we have something going on. And I remember this one time when we came back from New Jersey, and we had a family emergency going on, and just coming in and having someone to talk to. Being around them and them being so close to our family, and um, they were there for us. Hi, I'm Kelly, and I really appreciate the Volunteers for the Kids Ministry because it's important that children have a great foundation for God early in age. It gives them a sense of life, how to love, how to make friends, how to treat one another, and it's just a great foundation for loving God. My youngest, he's in the third grade. Him and my nephew, they absolutely love their teacher. Every Sunday they look forward to going to class and telling her about their weekend, and she's always so welcoming and Happy to see us every Sunday morning. She's such a wonderful teacher. I love all that she does for her class. So maybe you would consider volunteering today to share hope with anyone everywhere.
God. 
my one fan. I paid him to do that. Everybody needs a fan like that, don't they? Look, here's the, the couple that's married and great big smiles on your faces. You guys stand up. Welcome them into the community. <laughs> As husband and wife, and uh, I was supposed to be there to marry them, like you guys just celebrated your fifth. I can't believe it, and I got to marry them, but uh, that morning I woke up and, ooh, something had me out, and so Buddy uh, did that, and I'm so sorry I didn't get to be there, but I know that was a happy day, and you've been all the way to where? Niagara Falls and back. That's an awesome place to go, so yeah, you look happy. Smile, Lynn. <laughs> Good. Well, today we're going to finish up the Don't Be Fooled series. Now, that's been a long one, hasn't it? We started the Don't Be Fooled series on Easter, and uh, we're going all the way till today. We're finishing up, but we could go on and on and on and on because really there's so much deception happening in our world today. You know, you really can't, there's, you, you can't believe what you see and hear anymore. There's biased news, there's sensational stories, there's uh, religious folklore and false prophets are alive and well. Do you guys realize that? And so what this has been, see, those are all powerful voices that have the power to misguide and to manipulate our hearts and minds. And it's happening every day. And the, the younger a person is, the more susceptible that they're going to be to that kind of misguided information and manipulation. And so what this series has been all about is to is for all of us and even for me as I've prepared them to be cautious about what we will uh, engage our hearts and our minds with. Be cautious and, and make it a very intentional desire on your part to seek truth. And today we're going to conclude with this series, Don't Be Fooled, uh, with, um, you know, there's a person that can, that's more susceptible to being fooled, and that's actually all of us. And so today, we're going to talk about what the Bible says, who is the fool? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a fool, and I don't want to be fooled. But the first thing that we have to do is admit 
that it's very easy to be deceived. The Bible also says even our heart deceive us. And so the, the wisdom is to say, I'm susceptible to being fooled. I'm susceptible to being a fool. And that's where wisdom begins. Well, when you hear that word fool, there may be some people that come to mind. See if you can identify these people, okay? Now, these are the greatest of all time. So I think even Gracie, my 14-year-old granddaughter, could identify who they are. It's not just old geezers. Who's this? Yeah, you guys know. All right, who's this? Next. Yes, Jerry Lewis. All right. Can you name each one? Yeah, which one is uh, Curly? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Alec Baldwin? Oh, okay. Next one. Yep. She's one of the greatest of all time. Who's this? Yeah, Mark's brothers. I used to go down on, when I was in Philadelphia going to Temple University, I'd go down on South Street and we'd go to the quarter movie and watch the Marx Brothers. I love that. Okay, next one. Yes, Maxwell Smart. Remember him? I love that guy. I laughed at him all the time. Yes, Tim Conway. Did you ever see the one with the dentist and he's, he puts his arm with the Novocaine? And you guys have to watch that. There's also one with uh, the airline um, booth or whatever, a, a ticket agent. And it is, I watched it. And if you need a laugh, it's, if you're feeling down and out one day, go there because <laughs> that'll bring you up right away. Um, now, interestingly, none of these are the definition of what a fool, what the Bible says a fool is, none of them. Uh, but in the spirit of silly, before we go to the uh, biblical defini definition, I've got a couple of people, come on up here, Stephanie and Mark. I've got a couple of people that are our joke tellers today. And uh, I got to tell you a little story about Stephanie. She told me uh, yesterday she was at the uh, uh, riding, she took Michaela, um, and she was riding roller coasters. Michaela was scared to death, and she said, oh, just put your fear. God wants you to put your fear, and so they rode that roller coaster, and so I asked her to come up here, and she said, oh, my goodness, I'm so scared. <laughs> so I told Michaela about that, and she's going to give you a hard time. So you guys come up here, and they're going to ask you some jokes, and see if, or they're going to give you some jokes, and see if you can get these. All right, how do you get a one-armed fool out of a tree? Oh, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> got it. <laughs> how did you do Did somebody do that to Sorry, you? That's nice. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, I got one. Why did the fool climb the glass wall? No one? To see what was on the other side? <laughs> get it? <laughs> All right, how do you keep a fool in suspense? Ooh. Oh, I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Are you feeling foolish? <laughs> how did the fool break his arm breaking leaves? Did you just have that? Yours is the tree. Yeah. How did the fool break his arm raking leaves? Uh, fell out the tree. <laughs> All right, how do you make a fool laugh on a Sunday? 
<laughs> Close. Tell them a joke on Saturday. <laughs> what happened to the foolish tap dancer? Turn the water on. He fell in the sink. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> yeah. How do you know when a fool has been using the computer? This is a good one. There's whiteout on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> that is good. That is good. Uh, how did, no, how do you sink a submarine full of fools? Don't open the hatch. <laughs> Knock on the door, it said. <laughs> All right, best for last. Three fools were driving to Disneyland when one saw a sign that said, Disneyland left. What did they do? They left. They went home. <laughs> Thank you, fool joke tellers. Thank you. There was another one. Um, there were two guys. One was digging a hole, and uh, this guy was watching as uh, he was digging a hole, and then there would be another guy that would come and fill up the hole, and he watched those two go down, and one would dig the hole, and the other would fill the hole. And, and the guy that was digging the hole said, you know, that must look kind of funny. The guy that plants the trees was sick today. <laughs> well, those are pretty foolish, aren't they? <laughs> now we're going to get to the biblical definition of what the Bible says. The Bible says that there's a person that can be tricked. There's a person that can be duped. There's a person that can be fooled. And God loves us so much that he doesn't want that to be us. And so he jam-packs word, his word and, and he jam-packs the Bible with instructions and ways that we won't be that fool. That's why this series has been so important. You know, if we say, I don't think I can be fooled, that's the moment that we become a fool. Because this world and everything in it outside of God's word is attempting to misguide and manipulate our hearts so that we will do what they want us to do. And so God loves us so much that he's given us his word that is packed, especially the book of Proverbs. Now, the Proverbs is the book of wisdom. And interestingly, in that book, there are 50 to 71, depending on the translation that you're going to read, uh, times that fool is mentioned. Now, why would God, why would the word have the fool so many times? Well, because it is in direct opposition to wisdom. It's in direct contrast to wisdom. Wisdom and being a fool go in separate directions. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes. It says, the heart of the wise inclines to the right. In other words, the Living Bible says, follows what's right, but the heart of the fool goes to the left. And now back in those days, you have to understand that the left was considered unclean, which we've gotten that all cleaned up because I'm left-handed and the left is not necessarily <laughs> unclean, but there are a lot of references in the Bible that say evil and foolishness go left. And that's what the scripture says. It says wisdom goes that way and foolishness goes that way. So let's look at what Webster says a fool is. First of all, I just 
kind of boiled it down, and Webster says that it's a person. A fool is a person who has poor judgment or prudence. Now, what is prudence? Prudence is the ability to govern and discipline myself. That's what prudence says. And, and it says that the fool doesn't have the ability to do that. They don't really understand how their mind is working or how the danger and the potential of manipulation is out there. So what does that lead to? Well, it leads to folly. And what is folly? Well, a lack, it, folly is our thinking. A fool is a person. Folly is our thinking. And, and folly is a lack of good sense and foresight. Now, that's our decision-making. How do we make our decisions? And are we really taking the time to look at what are going to be the consequences if I do this? If we choose to do something good, if we choose to do something bad, everything has a consequence. And am I looking into the future and saying, how does my behavior right now affect my future? And the Bible says that folly is when we lack doing that when we are impulsive. Now, that kind of thinking could be, well, I won't get caught. You realize how much uh, you see or we think, well, I can do this. Uh, it's, that person doesn't understand the sow and reap principle. Whatever we sow, eventually, at some point in our life, whether it's today or tomorrow or on judgment day, we will reap what we have sown. Or a person will say, well, I'm not in denial. That's an interesting statement because that's denial. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's a fool. Now, um, it says that other people will see that in us, but we won't see it ourselves. It says in Ecclesiastes, even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. Now, that's hardcore, isn't it? it, it in other words, that's our blind spot. If we refuse to say, I don't have, if we refuse to say, I have a blind spot, that means that other people are going to see about me things that I don't even see about myself, and that makes us very foolish. So a, a, a fool is a person, folly is how we think, and then fool, foolishness is the actions that we take that other people will see that, that defines what's going in our, on in our thinking and in our heart. You see, uh, an example of somebody that has foolish actions would say, well, I'm searching for the fountain of youth. A person that really doesn't understand how, you know what, when you get 65, you're not the same, same as you were when you were 18. But a person continues to try to keep and hold on to youth, that's foolishness. And it, or, or someone that will just believe something at face value, we call that being gullible, right? Well, that leads to dangerous territory. Now, there's such a thing as youthful folly. Well, what's youthful folly? I asked the guys in the booth yesterday as we were planning, or two days ago when we were planning this series, I said, what's some youthful folly that you did when you were young? And Kelly said, well, I blew up everything. <laughs> and I love to jump off things. And Colin said the same thing. And, and uh, I, I know for me, in my youth, I did some foolish things. I would jump into quarries. I would go into caves. I would do anything that was exciting and adventurous. And I, the ne I was always moving to the next thing. I was a hitchhiker. I hitchhiked across, across states from Virginia. That is foolish. I would die if my daughter or my granddaughter 
would, would do that. Yet, I, that was youthful folly. Thank goodness for mother's prayers. Don't ever think that mother's prayers do not keep your children safe. Even when you can't see, I did some youthful, I had youthful folly. And that is why God gives parents. Because parents, we're not supposed to be teenagers anymore. We're supposed to learn from that youthful folly. We're supposed to learn from our mistakes. A wise person will look back and say, oh my goodness, I wouldn't do that now for anything in the world and have the ability to govern themselves and say, I had to do that with rollerblading. I was a rollerblader up until a couple of years ago and I started getting really wild and crazy with it. And I didn't fall for, for the duration of the time. I got pretty good on rollerblades. I would go down to Virginia Beach on the boardwalk there and I would make people my obstacles. And I loved that. And, and I saw myself starting to get really wild and crazy, and I started doing jumps. And one day, Jody and somebody else was in my driveway, and I said, watch this. And I came down, and I turned around, and I wiped out. And I said, you know what? I'm getting older, and I value my bones. <laughs> and, and I know when you get older, it's harder to heal. And, and so I had to govern myself and self-discipline myself and say, you know what? I need to make some wiser decisions about that. That's what youthful folly is. And so uh, now I have the wisdom to say, you, you see what I'm saying? That's why God gives parents. Parents learn from their past, and then they set healthy boundaries for their children. Not possessive, but healthy. So let's go from Webster to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says that the fool makes senseless claims. Now, I want you to listen to me very carefully on this, because this is where our mind can get go down a road that's really not biblical. The Hebrew word for fool is navel. Everybody say that, navel. Now, look at Kelly and say, did I impress you much? <laughs> say navel. And navel in Hebrew means senseless. It was a very strong word. Now, Christians like to quote this verse. In fact, when I told someone I was going to do a message on fool, it was somebody that uh, has been a Christian a long, long time, and they said, yeah, that, that scripture in, uh, in Psalms that says, the fool says in their heart, there is no God. Now, that's a claim, okay? That's a claim. And the fool makes senseless claims. That that's a claim that God doesn't exist. But that claim is navel. It's senseless. It's foolish. Why? Because there is no proof that God does not exist. You can't prove it. Believers, there's also no proof that he does. And when we make a claim like that, it makes us foolish. See, the fool makes emphatic claims that cannot be proven, and neither one of those can be proven. No scientist, no believer, no atheist has proof that God exists or he doesn't exist. As Christians, we have to believe by faith, and science believes in unproven theory. We're on the same plane. 
I was in Oklahoma a couple weeks ago, and uh, I was at Susie's, and Susie has this incredible theater in her house. And so as soon as I got there, she said, Gay, you want to watch movies all week? And I said, yeah, let's watch movies all week. So the first night that we were there, we watched the movie Theory of Everything. You know what that is? That is Stephen Hawking, who is a physicist, a cosmologist, and he's one, he was one of the most brilliant minds on the face of the earth, and he was an atheist. And he said, there is no God. And he argued that science offers a more convincing explanation for the origins of the universe than religion does. And he believed that with all of his heart, and he dedicated his entire life to that. And he believed that if we travel far enough back in time, that it would finally prove that there was no creator, that there was another explanation for the origins of the earth. But he died with it unproven. He never got far enough back. So his claim that there is no God was senseless, was foolish. Now, believers might call Stephen Hawking a fool. But be careful about the claims that you make too, lest it make a fool out of you. As believers, our only claim that God exists is a personal relationship, is an experience that we can testify to that says, I have had an encounter with Jesus Christ and I am connected to the king of the universe. Without that experience, you will not be believable. And if we say there is a God, we, we are making a senseless claim because there is no proof. The only proof is that you can testify that nobody can take away from you, I have met with Jesus Christ and he has changed my life. And whether you believe that or not, I love you, but nobody, nobody, can take that away from me. It gives me chills right now. You know what I'm talking about, right? There's no proof except for you. And is that how we're engaging in the world? Or are we trying to argue with people like Stephen Hawking? Uh-uh, that's not true. Nobody can prove it. Do you see, do you follow me? You see, as believers, that's our only proof, the testimony of a changed life that can't be explained by anything else than a supernatural power that I have connected with that has changed me from this to this. Now, Stephen Hawking believed that he called believers fools in their claims, but believers be really careful about slinging that word back, okay? You know, when I was a child, I had heard you're not supposed to call people fools. Now, I lived that, but I never really knew why. You know, that's kind of like that thing that parents teach you. They said, now, don't smoke. And I never really knew why. So I smoked, and then I found out, and then I quit, and then I was glad. You understand what I'm saying? 
You can't just tell somebody something, but I did live that, but I had to find out why. This week, I studied why. See, the Bible says not to call people fools. In the Bible, a fool is associated with a denial of God, but also, listen, but also disregard for his instructions, his warnings, and his commands. And we have to ask ourselves, am I following? Am I living out all that God commands me to? Or am I being foolish? Do we really take the words and commands of Jesus seriously and live them out? A fool will make senseless claims. Number two, a fool devalues people. And this is what I discovered in Matthew 5, 22. This is why God says, don't call other people fools. Jesus said this. He said, but I say to you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, which means, and I put that there for you, it means empty one, it means fool. This is the words of Jesus, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. That's pretty strong, isn't it? So I know why my parents taught that to me, but now I'm learning why. You see, Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount was teaching about his new covenant. He was saying, I am the new covenant. And the new covenant is to be able to have relationship and to restore relationships, and to be connected to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and to have a personal relationship with God, with others, and with ourselves. That was the new covenant. Jesus said, I didn't come to override those ten laws. Remember the ten commandments? He said, I didn't come to do away with those, but I'm making an even deeper connection with you. I'm looking, I'm building my kingdom in the hearts of people, not just by what people do, taking a, 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 an animal and taking it to the temple and sacrificing it and getting the blood. No, I'm making a personal connection. This is the new covenant. I'm making an even deeper covenant to restore the hearts and the minds of people. That's why he packs his word with his instruction and his wisdom so that we can know how to be connected to God and with others and with ourselves. That's where his kingdom is being built in your heart, in your mind, in my heart, in my mind. And that's why he says, don't be fooled. Be careful. Don't be fooled. See, one of the Ten Commandments said that murder is sinful and we're still on why should we not call someone a fool? In 5.21, it said, do not murder. But Jesus said, if we have unchecked, unresolved anger, if we're not working toward resolving that, if we have a wound in our heart that holds on to grudges, that holds on to uh, an unwillingness to, to step into his instruction and to get that healed, that has enough power to murder. We're all capable of that. 
all of us. But he also said to assassinate the character of another human being is one step away from murder. That's pretty heavy duty, isn't it? That'll stop us in our tracks. Jesus said to call someone a fool is to declare him or her to be worthless. And Jesus taught that all people are valuable. And insinuating that anyone is worthless is one short step away from murder, even saying to yourself that you're worthless. To call someone raka, a fool, was to say a person was beyond the reach of God. And in that day, it was equivalent of saying, damn you, just like people say today. We don't have the right to damn anyone. Only God can be in that position. Only a fool will take on that position. As believers, we have a responsibility to engage with God, to resolve that anger, to heal that, our heart, Am I being a fool, we have to ask ourselves? You see, the fool will allow their heart to go unchecked, and they'll call others out for not living the way that they think they need to. It makes us foolish, and it makes us self-righteous. But the wise, the wise will have an open mind to God's instruction. The wise will have an open mind to themselves. The wise will look at relationships and say, how far off is this from God's design? The wise will be open to God's instruction. You see how far the wise and the foolish are? They're in opposite directions. Number three, the fool is unteachable. And the fool refuses to learn from the past. As I said, will have a closed mind will allow the fear and the anger to be bigger than to continually go before the Lord and say, God, heal me and heal my relationships. A fool won't allow their heart to be vulnerable. And I, honestly, I see that in the Christian community quite often. We're pointing our finger at what other people are doing wrong. We're looking at the news, and we can evaluate that so much. But when there's an opportunity to come forward and look like a fool but not be and be very vulnerable, it's getting rarer and rarer to see hearts like that. In the Bible, it says, in Proverbs, it says, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his or her opinion." But we got a lot of that going on today, don't we? Got a lot of opinions. But it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, the fool will refuse to learn from their past mistakes or refuse to look at their sins and say, you know what, I was wrong there. A fool will cut off that kind of hope. 
and destined to do the same foolish things over and over and over. Did you ever wonder why the same thing in relationships keeps happening to you over and over and over again? It says, as a dog returns to its vomit. This is pretty strong stuff, isn't it? <laughs> now we're returning to vomit. <laughs> but this says it, doesn't it? As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Now, when the same things keep happening to us, we think that other people are doing that to us, but in reality, there's something that God wants us to see about ourselves that's causing that to happen over and over. I got to tell you, preparing this message, I had to look back over my life. I'm asking you to do that today, but I've spent a lot of time in this. And it's been extremely, excruciatingly challenging because I am a person that will ask myself, God, I've given you permission to search my heart and to show me. And as I prepared this, I looked back over my life. I saw my youthful folly. I thank God that the consequences weren't more severe, though I still deal with some consequences of my youthful folly that I didn't have prudence to look into my future and say this is going to affect my future terribly. But I thank God. Can anybody relate to that? But I got to tell you, we are never beyond God's mercy and his grace. No matter how much we've messed up, no matter how foolish we've been, no matter the number of times that we've been a fool, because we went to the left instead of following the right. The good news of Jesus Christ is that as long as we have breath, our lives are still unfolding. No matter what age we are, I'm in the fourth quarter of my life, and you know what he reassured me of this week? That there's something amazing ahead. That my life, even though it seems like maybe it didn't turn out the way that I thought it would or the way I wanted it to, there's still something. If I can hold on to his promises, in those times when you think, is this all there is? God says, no, your life is still unfolding. And all of that can be healed. And you can begin today because James says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life done in the humility. You know what humility is? It's allowing ourselves to be vulnerable. It's allowing God to show us those things that we've been trying to deny and avoid all of our life. Because you know what will happen to all that stuff that we deny and avoid all of our life? It'll just go into a spot that will keep us from healing. That's very foolish. And it says the humility that comes from wisdom. And you know what? God will give wisdom to anybody that asks. Anybody. I ask him for that on a daily basis because I got to tell you, I, I, I tend to be foolish. I tend to see the folly. But you know what our part is once we ask him? It's not for God to just dump wisdom down on us. We have to walk in it. 
We have to allow it to change us, and that hurts. That's hard. But the Bible, one of those promises is, we know that those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. What does that mean? Well, all I can tell you is you will never know until you walk in the instruction and the, and the wisdom of the Lord. I can't tell you what that'll be for you. I can just tell you that he will keep you safe. That's a promise. I told you, I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be fooled. I certainly have been in the past. And I just love for the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to each one of us right now as he is to my heart. Maybe you've been fooled. Maybe things haven't turned out the way that you thought they would. Maybe you worked and worked towards something and it just turned out different than you expected it would. Maybe there's a relationship that you thought was one way and you found out it turned out to be something completely different. And that hurts. Maybe you've believed something and you found out later, well, that wasn't true at all. I call that the Santa Claus syndrome. <laughs> it can hurt your trust. It can damage your trust. It can harm your relationships. And in that time, maybe you've been angry. Maybe you're holding on to a grudge. That's just foolish because that'll take you down. But it's hard to release it because we have to be vulnerable. Maybe you turn to folly, like trying to figure it out on your own. I know I've been so guilty of that, trying to figure it out on my own. Or maybe you did something destructive, like maybe you had an affair, or maybe you got involved in some kind of substance that you're addicted to now. Maybe you listened to the wrong people. You know, the Bible says that we're to surround ourselves with wise people. I don't know where you're at. It's really important that you understand how important going before the Lord and confessing is. Nothing will ever change until you admit you were wrong. Until we come before him and we're vulnerable and say, God, I am so sorry. There's a story of an old clockmaker that lived in a small village. And when anything was wrong with any of the clocks or watches in the village, he was able to fix them so that they would work properly. Well, that old clockmaker died. And he left no children and no apprentice, and there was no one in the village to fix the clocks. And soon all the clocks and the watches began to break down. And those that ran, well, they were gaining time or they were losing time. And a clock that might strike midnight, well, it was only 3 p.m. And so many of the villagers just threw those timepieces away. One day, a renowned clockmaker and repairer came through the village, and people begged him, would you fix our clocks? Would you fix our, our clocks? 
And he spent hours looking at all the timepieces that people would bring to him to see if he could repair them. And at last, he announced that he could only repair those whose owners had kept them wound, even in spite of them not working properly. Only the ones of those owners that kept them wound. They were the only ones that would be able to remember how to keep time. So as we close this series, which could go on and on and on and on and on, I want you to remember, no matter how tough things get, no matter how much you've been fooled, no, much, no matter how much of a fool you've been, when life seems to get dry as dust, keep your clock wound. Pray anyway. When you're exhausted emotionally, when your heart is heavy, when your body's in pain, your clock may not even be running correctly. Keep it wound. Stay the course. Because you know what? Your life is still unfolding. There's still something that God has as we walk in his instruction and we allow ourselves to come before him vulnerably with all that we have, knowing the only way to connect with the God of the universe that is all power and supernatural is through my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want the end of this to be very encouraging for you. This was a really heavy message. It really struck me. And I've had to live it all week. Actually, a couple weeks. And I want to encourage you. There's still more to life. No matter where you're at. No matter what your age. There's something. And it'll be amazing. If you hold on to the promises when your clock isn't running correctly at all. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, I thank you so much for your spirit, how you've worked in me. God, I know how difficult it is to come before you and say, God, I'm so sorry I've been wrong in, in, in areas of my life. There are things, Lord, that I know that I've been okay in and I've buckled, but Lord, help me to stand in you. If you're like that this morning, would you be willing just to right there where you are, bow your heart before the Lord, confess whatever may need to be confessed. It's a big deal. We can't be healed unless we do. You might look foolish to other people just like Stephen Hawking would look on this, this morning and say, that's just foolish. But fools in the eyes of the Lord are very wise when they come before him with honesty and humility. So remember, you can hand it over to God. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you can do that this morning. Stop back at the banner in the back where it says accepted Jesus and the pastor will explain that to you. That's the first step, a relationship with Jesus Christ. For those that already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a matter of continuing to grow in his grace. 
Father, thank you for your spirit that changes us, that heals us like no other, so that each one of us can testify, I know that I have met with the Lord because he is changing me. Then we can tell others how it's done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's stand together. And I just want to kind of set this song up for you because I asked the band to do it. It has ministered to me this week so incredibly. It's gotten me through. You know, I don't know if it will for you, but I wanted to share it with you because the words are so timely. I want it to be encouraging as we close out this, this series that God is still unfolding your life. That no matter what it looks like, if you hold on to his promises, he has something amazing for each one of us. So let's celebrate.
There are new mercies for us every morning, no matter what age we are. Tap into those. His promises are there. It's still unfolding in our life. I don't want to be a fool. How about you? No, okay. And what that means is that we have to intentionally, intentionally walk in his ways, his instruction and his wisdom. All right, so when you go out of here, say, I don't want to be a fool. I commit my life to that. Love you guys. See you next time. Let this glorious earth.